A podcast network. Hi, I'm Bob Davenport, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with my man, Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select. With the help of our friend, Synchronicity, Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. It's a Radio 8-Ball show. Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am and have been your host, Andras Jones, and we and have been hanging out here with our musical guest, the wonderful, the fabulous, the very handsome and talented Joe Borday. Thanks, buddy. You know, yeah, hey, we're on the radio. I already, I already, <laughs> I took, I gave you a lot of shit for not having a mustache. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, so we've been through this, uh, we've been through seven musical divinations. We're going to get mm-hmm. to your question in a second, but I want to get your impression so far. It's, it's not an inconsequential investment of time and energy. You came on and just you brought it. You brought these amazing guests, great songs. Uh, well, you've made it feel like hanging out with friends, and uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Well, if I ha- hadn't booked this, I wouldn't have seen all my pals today. That's great. Nor would I. Have, yeah. I might never have seen them. <laughs> Possibly not. Some of these might end up being future guests on the show. That you- uh, uh, didn't escape me when I uh, scheduled them. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I much appreciate it because mm-hmm. sometimes that's how that's how I meet the, my my new favorite songwriters. Yeah, people who uh, other songwriters recommend people to be on the show, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so lucky. My life is blessed. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I'm sure it's not true that this could be possible, and if it is, I'll cut it out. But mm-hmm. are any of them duds? It shouldn't have duds. Yeah, <laughs> you like them, but like like uh, Sonia was saying, are they people you like but you don't really like their music? No, they all have uh, excellent special qualities. Okay, cool, excellent. And and would you be like, would you be honest with me if that wasn't the case? Uh, no, hell no. Okay, okay, good. Well, <laughs> then I'll judge for myself. Then I'll judge for myself. <laughs> all I'll say is that. That uh, that That's I what Google's for. Google. I can I can 100% recommend Joe Borday, but I don't have to because you just listen to all to his music and and all of his references. Oh my God, we like if we met in middle school, we would still be best friends based <laughs> upon the, the our our shared love. Like I have friendships that are based on less agreement than has happened in this like lifetime friendships yeah. that have been based on less agreement than have happened here. Do you yeah. meet a lot of people who are into Lowell George? Well, Lowell George is hard to not like. But do you if, just do you meet people who know who he is? Greatness. Uh, um 
Well, you know, I hang out with so many mu- cool musician people. people. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't know who he is, well, you just, you know, play a track or something. You know and, what, and and they'll get it. What's funny? What's what's for you? If you were, if you're going to turn someone on to Little George, what's what's a track? Well, I remember one of my greatest pals in college in Santa Cruz, uh, John Pitt, who also has a podcast. Hi, John. I was born uh, in Santa Cruz. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, great. Well, I lived by the lighthouse, and then I lived by the boardwalk, and then I, you know. I never lived there. I was just born there. Lived there for a year when I was one, when I was not even one. So, would you ever go back? Spend time there? Uh, A little bit. I was. It was the. It was weird. It was the only. Like I toured the West Coast all Mm -hmm. through the '90s, and it was the only gigging city that I could never get a gig. I've always had trouble. Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz too. Yeah. Um, the only time I played Santa Cruz was not actually, it was in a roadhouse just outside of Santa Cruz. I was like, this city will not let me back in. It's the <laughs> portal that I came through and I can't go back until. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well. Wait, so you were telling me about special. your buddy and, and he played you. What, what? He played me the first Little Feet album. The one uh, with uh, where with Roy, ha- uh, what was his name? Was Ry Cooter on that record? That was the one that had Ry Cooter on it, right? I don't know. Anyway, sorry. I don't know why Ry Cooter would have needed to play on a Little Feet record. I feel like the first record. Well, anyway, sorry. Never mind. My impression is that all of the slide is, is Lowell. Is Lowell? Yeah. It doesn't sound like Ry. Why Rye do I feel that? Sound. I feel like maybe I'm. I'm sorry. You I'm getting. I haven't Mahal looked at that Rye record. Cooter. I haven't looked or read about that record in an extremely long time, so I can't. I can't speak knowledgeably. So, sna- about like it. snakes on everything, yeah, and strawberry well, that, flats, and that record. Crazy is be- Captain Gunboat Willie. It's before they introduced more funk elements to it, and it has a greater link to the music of the band mm-hmm. and um, a rootsier sound. And that might make it a little more accessible to, uh, you know, somebody that's familiar with Americana stuff or any other classic rock. Um, uh, I think it's just a great album. Um, but that's that was my introduction, and uh, so that's what I'd say to anybody else. But I think mine would be Sailing Shoes. Yeah. I think that, like... There's so much stuff on that record. Cold, like the drums on Cold, Cold, Cold. And, yeah. Well, you know. yeah, sure. And the tones actually just get better and better. Um, yeah. Like the first album isn't the greatest sounding album. Um, uh, All the Strawberry Flats is pretty, pretty perfect. They're gorgeous. Yeah. The Brides of Jesus. Yeah. Incredible imagery. I don't know what the hell it's about uh, at all, but it's just gorgeous sounding, you know? Great ballad. Um, um, I wonder if it's about Mormonism. Uh-huh. But maybe that's for another episode. Um, uh, what was I going to say? The last record album, that, which I believe is their fifth album, yeah. was an album I never really listened to. And then I just started listening it's to it. It's a great record. And it sounds... Romance dance. So good. That opening track is such a weird... The opening... What What is the... the is it romance dance? 
not so but sure. But th- there's a the first track on it has the most. Uh, it's the weirdest intro to a song that is so groovy. Right. Like you're you don't know where you are. It just it does not even try. It doesn't try really hard yeah. to get you into it. It might have some, some strange strange meter, strange yeah. time signature stuff. Yeah, and you don't like into- the, they just like the chorus just like sort of appears out of nowhere and yeah. you're like whoa this is to yeah, me but... it, it's sailing shoes and then to and uh, uh long distance love mm-hmm. like and there's a there's a video out there and i'll post this post it somewhere in this of Lil george doing long distance love live yeah with the with the, and it's the most un, like they were tired and i lo- <laughs> like you there's something about great about a like a great band that's used to really rocking it and turning it up uh-huh. when they're really tired, but they're they know the song so well that they could play it in their sleep, right. and they almost are. Yeah. And you get kind of the best out of them, right? Because they hit all the beats, but they're not right. No well, live, uh, uh, live. Your the tendency is to play everything fast because you got anxiety, yeah. you're amped up, and you're excited. Those guys were probably really amped up. Yeah. Um, uh, so when you t- when you tire out, you're not you're not rushing tempos. Um, uh, so probably pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a Neil Young story about that where he just tried to wear out the musicians in the studio before tracking something. There's something to uh, getting to a level of fatigue. Yeah, that'll get you a certain sound. It's the Stanley Kubrick method of recording. Right? Just <laughs> wear everybody. Another out. take. Crush the no, will. Yeah. Uh, there, I I heard something else. It was a producer uh, that would go that would have so many takes. <clears throat> he would get. Uh, he would rehearse the band or take after take. It wasn't rehearsal. It was tracking. Just burning tape back in the tape era and it would be to the point where okay they attained perfection now they keep going and now they're fatigued now they suck again and you go to this second you know somewhere around take 60 (laughs) not not only do you have uh, you've got a level of, of fatigue in there um, but then all of the all of the flash licks are gone. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, rote or something. But but rote and tired equals some this other thing. Like, Vibe. Yeah, like you know the song so well. Plus tired. Yeah, is this? It, it doesn't sound like you're just faking it. It really well. It just sounds like it's it's real and in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. So one of these days, I am going to do a Lowell George tribute episode on Radio 8 Ball okay. and we will definitely have you back. Okay. What 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 well, Lowell me... what Lowell song would you cover? Lowell's stuff is extremely is difficult really hard. to do. Yeah, well, he's, first of he's all, idiosyncratic as hell and first of all, yeah. he plays slide it's it's totally unique. He, I believe he plays in open D. Uh very few people do that. Uh, and then his as a vocalist, he's uh, untouchable by a person like me. However, if I was to play a Lowell song, I would go for a ballad. I always love the ballads. Like 20 Million Things or... That's a great song. Uh, mm, there's some good stuff on his solo record, too. 
I like uh, Rosarita. Rosarita. Yeah. With uh, Jackson Brown, I think, singing harmony on that one. Okay, I can kind of hear that. Yeah, now that I think about it. I'm guessing. Maybe I'm wrong. Sorry, Jackson. Or <laughs> you're welcome, Jackson. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Jackson. <laughs> That's a, that's funny. That's a funny song to, to to think you're doing. So okay, now let's get to your let's get to your question. Okay. So we have one song left on the board. That's the answer to the question. What is the what is the what is it? What's my question? Yeah. No. What's the the answer? The last song. Left oh, on- the answer is uh, is my song called Mantra. Oh, I love it. It's exciting because first of all, it's very spiritual. And it also has a double ah sound. It's an andras. Mm-hmm. I like mantra. Mm-hmm. So okay. So now let's uh, let's gather around the the, the uh, speakers, paper fetishists. Here it comes again. Last time we we we, we had crinkle. This time we're gonna have a little <laughs> pop. Okay. There's a lot of low end on that pop. It's yeah. Joe, would you read your question that is going to be answered by the song Mantra? My question for the Pop Oracle. Does rock and roll ever forget? Does rock and roll ever forget Mantra? Shut up! That's too good. Okay, go, go, go. This is amazing. I love it. As if on a clothesline And although I fall I easily find I return to the mantra That's tuning my mind And with meditation I'm leaving behind Sense gratification For self-realization Sense gratification for self realization. As far as I can go, although it may be slow, a lifetime developing like oceans pitch and roll, effortlessly controlled heart and soul. Developing to break down barriers, the more the merrier with our eyes closed. We view the cosmos, With intuitive knowing But they'll all disappear As this faculty's growing I was given a mantra To tune in my mind 
meditation I'm leaving behind Sense gratification For self-realization Sense gratification For self-realization As far as I can go Although it may be slow Like oceans pitch and roll Effortlessly control our and soul Enveloping To break down barriers The more the merrier with our eyes closed To view the The answer to this Bob Seger-inspired question, (laughs) does rock and roll ever forget? Well, I have ideas inspired by the question, and then I have my own ideas about that, the answer to that question, just from my own mind. But I'm going to start with uh, what is your interpretation or your uh, some background on the song? Uh, Well, I'll start with the background of the two. you blew Mantra. my mind with that, man. You 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 messed with my brain. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's good. I like in exactly the oh, way I, I like didn't my brain. <laughs> yeah, you did. It, it was it, yeah, it was a very it's very it's a very enlightenment song. I mean, all your songs have been, you know, nature and this, but this was like this was definitely the the dump um like this is the answer. This is what's behind, it feels like this is what's behind all the songs that you've 
deliver tonight? The songs are all about wanting something. Yeah. This song is no different, uh, but this song is about a tool that I was given to get it. The mantra. Exactly. So I learned uh, TM. That's Transcendental Meditation. You, Jerry Seinfeld. Me and Jerry. Oh, and so many. Um, All the best people. A lot of wonderful people. Um, And it is, uh, at its most simplest, uh, a, a tool that doesn't need to be connected to spirituality. It's a simple little process. And this song is about, I have this simple little process. So, using the process will take me somewhere. Um, But it doesn't have to be attached to uh, a grand design. I guess the song is about a grand design, but... uh, Yeah. But... uh, this is a big. This is a big a big swing song, <laughs> right? There are some some songs you write. You you take a little thing and you make it bigger because you focus on it. But this is like you're taking a very very big thing, enlightenment mantras, this expanded right. consciousness, and then putting it into a song, right? And very effectively, you know. Oh, thank you very much. It definitely brought me into that space. Now, are are you allowed to tell tell us what your mantra is? Uh, no, no, sir. That's why I asked. So, without telling us what your mantra is, can you explain maybe the impact, like what it is, without saying what it is, can you tell us what it I is can. for you? Yes. Well, the mantra is a Sanskrit word or group of syllables. How many syllables? That mean... I'm not trying to... For me, three. So, there are three syllables... And I, so I, I, I'm a big uh, believer in, well, not believer. I, I, I love vowel sounds. I, and I, we were talking about the hard R, like the E and the ah, and they, mm-hmm. I feel like different vowel sounds have really have s- strong feeling tones. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a variety of? Again, I'm. Absolutely not trying oh, to do in, in the mo- do I in have your a mantra. Do you have a, is it a variety of tones? Like your three syllables are they? It is sonorous. It is it is pleasurable to uh, yeah. intone it, which you intone right. internally. Right. Um, do, you, do you ever do you intone it externally ever? Uh, no. So it's not a chant. It's a it's a the it's difference between a, a mantra is that you repeat it in your brain, and a chant is something you ex- repeat externally. That's correct. Yes. Okay. But the meaning of it is is inconsequential to the process of it. It it's right. the tool that you use to right. to you know, as many. Well, no. M- tell people since the people there are people who may not know. It's a tool that you use to uh, uh, focus your mind away from uh, from uh, your distractions, basically the distractions of uh, your nor- what anxiety, your mind is doing, everything normally. in the yeah. in the material world that you are preoccupied with, uh, you know, is running through your head in a moment of stillness. If you introduce the mantra, you're no longer thinking of these things. Inevitably, you will go back go back to yeah. them when you realize you return. 
Uh, and so it's it's no more complicated than that. Um, the effect of which uh, is immediate uh, um, relaxation, uh, heart rate, pulse goes down, uh, clarity. And so even if you're not attaching it to, uh, well, I want to uh, attain, I want to transcend a level of consciousness, or or uh, or even to separate it from from its uh, Hindu origin and the Vedas and all this stuff. It's a simple relaxation technique that offers uh, ultimately so so much more. The more you do it, um, and uh, it's it's uh, appealing in its simplicity. You don't have to. Uh, you're not joining a church. It's uh, um, it's uh, just a practice. It's something you do. And uh, so the song is about uh, being thankful that I have it and uh, and um, and kind of what where it could go, not where it's taken me, but the kind of the. Uh, uh, being excited by the the possibilities, you know. Well, I have an idea about how that answers your question. Hit me. I refuse to hit you, <laughs> but I will tell you because I am a free man. That means I am capable of saying no, and my no is to hitting you. But All I will right. tell you. Maybe afterwards. Okay, never. Right. I would never hit anyone who has said so many great things about music. <laughs> Actually, we might get into a really rip-roaring argument at some point. The only time I ever got in, I, the last time I almost got in a fist fight was with the, one of these songwriters, these dead, wonderful songwriters that I love. We were arguing about Prince. And I won't say his, I'm glad I didn't say his name because he was arguing in the negative. Ah. He said Prince was overrated. Mm-hmm. Those are fighting words. Yeah. Like, how can you over... Like, how can... It's impossible to overrate <laughs> Prince. Well, everybody's entitled there. Exactly. No. Even if it's totally wrong. Yeah. So, sorry, <sighs> you know, you're you're a great songwriter, man, but I will fight you to the death on that one, And uh, except that I wish I could bring you back. Well, anyway. He, Prince, so, Prince is surrounded by a very, very strong aesthetic. Yes. And it's, uh, it becomes difficult to separate uh, the craft and the talent from that aesthetic from exactly. sometimes if yeah. it's not your bag right and um sometimes there's there's no bass on any of those records they sound thin and weird and you, you know what's yeah you up to but then you realize that it's they're not that dissimilar from the pete townsend demos are mentioned yes our aforementioned yes. bonding experience yes yes because you can tell that it's a guy in a space making something that is not yeah normal. He's not trying to make it bigger than it creative. is. Very creative. Yeah, he and doesn't you, have to. Yeah, you can see the craft there, and it's you know I'm sure for a lot of people it's one of the things. Just like when I hear the Pete, a Pete Townsend demo, I'm like, I want to be in that room doing <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people have that same experience. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I have this idea. So. <clears throat> I have talked about it on this show many times. I, I think we, we treat songs as oracles of consciousness, of enlightenment, of the future. So 
and as a songwriter myself, I've had this experience that I feel like the songs are prayers, that they are spells. More, the more than prayers, they're spells that we cast on ourselves. To some degree, if we reach a certain level of success, we may cast them upon an audience. But really what we're doing is creating spells for ourselves. So this idea, does, will rock and roll, does rock and roll ever forget? And then you got the song Mantra. It's like, no. No, rock and roll is the, uh, is the opposite of forgetting because we, it's, a, it's a recorded medium. Whether it's recorded, whether it's recorded on tape or it's recorded in the mind of an audience that saw you that one night at that roadhouse mm-hmm. and had their mind blown and walks away saying, "Oh my God, mm-hmm. you never heard of Joe Bourdais? Right. Never heard of the Pine Whispers? <laughs> you never heard of Mr. Jones in the previous? You never heard of the Kinetics? You know, whatever." There's a thing like you go into a room and you record. You're the recorder, but really we're a recorded medium, and we're laying down these spells that rock and roll doesn't forget. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be dangerous business. Like you're, uh, like the guy you were talking about in the last... Uh, Jim Sullivan. Jim Sullivan. He created spells that may have led to his own demise or at least reflected or predicted or, you know, yeah. somehow been you know, wrapped up in his own demise and or his own disappearance. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also yeah, let's explore the possibility. Let's, maybe he's living on Mars or... Alpha Centauri or someplace. Yeah. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to believe that. <laughs> but the fact is that the songs that he wrote created the spell so that we can have this conversation about it. And so clearly, clearly, and the and the song, the fact that we're tying it to a mantra and it's this idea that there are these sacred things that we repeat that bring us to a place of presence and take us mm-hmm. out of our of whatever of the things yeah. that distract us and make us hate ourselves instead yeah. of love ourselves that's an, that is rock and that is rock <laughs> and roll that is what i believe that like what it, like the towns and desk i ideal of rock and roll mm-hmm. this thing that unites and binds and elevates through that once was a note pure mm-hmm. and easy playing so free like a breath Indeed. rippling by like a mantra yeah. right and pete in himself is also is reflecting those ideas right. in his music so yeah. there's this yeah this is there's this we have reached an apotheosis of sync in this episode <laughs> where that answer is so perfectly right. fitting the question and everything that we said for the last right. four and a half five hours of this show mm-hmm Fucking A, man. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> well, in in some ways, I think the song, if we were, you know, really going to think about the song, uh, mantra suggests that everything in the material world is, Maya, is fleeting. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so in that sense... The rock and roll records are going to be dust and but the songs aren't debris. The, the, the songs <laughs> live here. The songs are going to live as long as uh, I'm as pointing long at as, my brain. As long as, uh, as our civilization remembers them. However, think about the experience of think about the ecstatic experience of rock and roll. Um. Maybe not the physical words, melodies, and music and stories we're telling. That's going to be long gone at some point. But the ecstatic experience of the collective 
kind of rock con- or like mm-hmm. Pete Townsend, like the Lifehouse was idea. Uh, his, like, yeah. his idea was that the one the one note the group uh, in the experience. I think they were all meant to disappear into yeah. uh, into ether at, at that ecstatic moment. Well, uh, rock music can transcend into an ecstatic moment where you do have, you know, perceptions outside of, uh, especially if you're like 14 years old and you are listening to a Walkman for the first time and it's who's next (laughs) and you're riding your bike and you're like, holy shit, life is the most amazing magical (laughs) thing that ever. Yeah. I can't even believe this is happening. Right. So we can have those experiences and their collective experiences. I think rock and roll is going to be long gone at some point. But the uh, the experience and what we're touching on when we're at our best doing that stuff is something that might be uh, of more permanent substance. Well, and I well let me just expand the idea of rock and roll never forgetting. Right. It's uh, the idea that so it's not like rock and roll remembers Bob Seger. Who's playing at the forum, uh, I think, this week. Oh, shout out to Bob. So but it's not about rock and roll remembering Bob Seger. It's that. And they say that if you give an infinite number of monkeys a number, an infinite number of typewriters, they'll type Hamlet. <laughs> you would take far less monkeys and far less guitars to create the music of Bob Seger. It's almost like Bob Seger's catalog is a ecstatic recitation of cliches <laughs> that there is nothing original in that except Bob Seger. And in that, there's this idea that when everyone has forgotten all of this, you could do it all again and it would be rich and fresh again because the the structures of rock and roll are so essential and so simple and so mathematical that we will get – that music will create a Brian Wilson and a Bob Seger <laughs> and a Joe Bourdais and an Andros Jones and a Bart Davenport – regardless of whether or not we're here to do it, someone will gravitate to those chords and make those tones. And they may not sing Catman Do, <laughs> but they'll sing What You Do. And it will be this, you know, it will be, that is essential. And it mm. rock and roll never forgets. It may forget us, yeah. but it doesn't forget rock and roll. And Well, I'm yeah. not so sure that... Sorry, I'm a little bit. I'm not so sure that the cliche that the uh, that the uh, aspects of that music will make it. I I have to say, Um, because uh, music seems to be changing, and what uh, collectively, when electron the electricity is going to go out, and there will be guitars with strings, (laughs) there will be drums with skins. There may be pianos, probably yeah. be pianos, yeah. you know, the, but eventually like that, those we are living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. This electronic bubble is not sustainable. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't auto tune a human voice in real life. Yeah. But 
a voice like Lowell George's or Anar George's or some of the people who have been in this room are real things. Mm-hmm. And they will gravitate to those chords and to those to you strum a G chord and you want to sing a you want to sing over it there's something about all of those six strings ringing out the way they do in a yeah. G chord that just makes you want to Gordon Lightfoot it or Jim Croce it or Jim T- James Taylor it or whatever or Pete Townsend especially if you get that you have a really big fingers and you can get that extra thumb over that G when you do the D and you get that extra yeah oh yeah that's so good Jimi Hendrix could do that yeah. too so Gosh darn it, Joe! It, it's a it's an amazing thing that happens. You sp- you can spend four and a half five hours with someone, and at the end of it, you still think, "I wish I want to hang out longer." <laughs> you know, those sessions where you're hanging out in the studio, the session's done, and you're like, "Yeah, why are we here three hours after?" Well, be careful what you wish for. I I, I want to hear to be. Make sure I'm not flubbing too bad on any of these tunes. Okay, well, yeah, if you want to do any of these other ones. So anyway, well, let's let's wrap this up. Joe, can you tell us where uh, where people can find you in May of 2019 and beyond? Well, I'll probably, in May 2019, I'll probably be in the city of Los Angeles, California, and uh, I'll probably have some uh, local show dates. Go uh, post them with this blog so you can check them out? Yes, I will. Um, you may buy my debut single called El Capitan and Sea Mist uh, on Bandcamp which is a direct purchase from myself, or on any streaming media of your choice. I also have a Vinyl 45 available, limited. Nice. Is this your first vinyl? Um, it is my first vinyl with my name on it and my and tunes I've written. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's pretty fun. 45. 45 RPM. You have self-actualized... You are no longer hiding behind a band. You are Joe Bourdais, naked with his songs. Yeah, yeah. I th- I reckon so. Cool. Well, uh, let me just take a moment here to thank all the folks at Starburns Industries who allow us to use this fantastic studio with these fantastic mics to do our Radio Eight Ball show. I want to thank our engineer Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. Kicking ass. And, well, I don't know if she's taking names, but if she wants to take names or numbers, whatever she wants to do, I don't know. You know, I don't know what you do back there. Well, just enjoy some chips and keep us sounding good. And I want to thank all of your guests who came in, mm-hmm. made time out of their day and evening. Thank Mike Gormley. I hope your tooth is better, your teeth are better, and that you are working on that project. It sounds very exciting. I want to thank all of the people who tuned in and uh, wherever you are, whenever you are. I, I've said this a few times. I, I I have a crazy belief. We've been talking about Pete Townsend and the idea of Lifehouse. This idea, I and I have a similarly crazy idea to that, which is that wherever you are and where, whenever you are, the fact of your listening affected this experience in this room in a way that we do not know. We may never know, but... The fact that the truth of it is that the reality of this show is happening where you are, where we are is in service to where you are. So make of that what you will. And now, uh, Joe, big thanks to you. 
Thanks for having me. Uh, this is a this is a big uh, investment of energy. You invited some great guests. You that that took time. Earlier this week, you weren't feeling so great. You were wondering if you were going to make it. I just I really I'm re- I was worried that you wouldn't, but I'm touch and go. really glad you did. And just thank you for bringing the music, the people, the great energy, and uh, you're just I the record collection in your mind is. So close to mine. I've never. I really have met very few people in my life who I feel such a simpatico with musically. So it's just been fun hanging out with you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we've uh, we've got a few more on our team after this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We need, it was, we need more. Yeah. Yeah. Get with the Lowell George man. Yeah. People out there need to get with this guy. He was. If you love Inara George, right now I feel like there's probably more people who are who know and are aware of Inara. And I'm glad because mm-hmm. she Absolutely. she deserves and needs the support. But if you love her voice and you hear our voices, check out the dad because he's pretty good, too. He's pretty good, too. And Anara is preparing her Oscar speech probably right now. So. Oh, right. Yes, we've. Uh, yeah, we've established that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it I hope it, you know, for the for the sake of the family, I hope it's directed by her husband. Uh, right, that Jake. Would be nice. could, it'd be great if Anara won the Academy Award for singing a song or writing a song in a Jake Kasdan film. Right. Yeah. Well, if Jake wins one, we can credit you know Anara, Anara, yeah. as well. Because yeah, why not? Call that our uh, prophecy come true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, it, this I is all. This is that. all about us getting beginning to take credit for <laughs> whatever it is. We'll take credit for it. <laughs> yes. Well, Joe. Now, now that I've experience this i get to know your music better and uh and i encourage all, all the people who are listening to this too and maybe we'll have you back for other things tributes and things it looks like there's lots of opportunities yeah please do and now i just want to say until next time i'm your host andras jones wishing you lots of spine tingling synchronicities connections with the natural universe and all the inspiration you can handle Sure.